Welcome to the Florence Guild podcast, a collection of conversations with business and cultural leaders delivering insight into future approaches to business and life. Through conversations in an array of styles, from salon talks to lifestyle events, through to intimate facilitated lunches and dinners, Florence Guild promotes encounters, satiates curiosity, and allows insight into future approaches to business and life. The following Florence Guild conversation was recorded live at Work Club Melbourne, Australia's most forward-thinking workspace. Aggressive urbanisation and middle-class growth have compromised the delivery of appropriate public utility services for urban residents' well-being worldwide. In this conversation, Sergio Brodsky, Head of Strategy at Global Media Communications Agency Initiative in Melbourne, introduces urban brand utility, an emerging thinking and practice that reframes brand communications as a catalyst for sustainable development via people-public-private partnerships and radically innovative use of media. Sergio is also a regular columnist at Marketing Magazine, a scholar of the prestigious The Marketing Academy and chairman of its alumni program. Urban Brand Utility, Impact Branding for the Urbanizing Century. A Florence Guild conversation with Sergio Brodsky. Thank you. So yeah, thanks everyone for coming. Real honor and pleasure of being here on uh, Florence Guild Work Club. Uh, Urban Brand Utility is a concept that I've been writing about and speaking about for at least three, four years now, mainly on big stages, a lot of people, and this is a very interesting, nice, refreshing format, more com a lot more conversational than you know, presenting to a big audience. So I'll try to keep it this way, and I even put a glass of wine next to my water, so that should help with the, the conversational uh, aspects of it. Um, but before I get onto the whole thing about urban brand utility and I can talk about my background of, as a lawyer and then going to military after this, but before we get to this, just you know, having some common ground. Uh, I don't know how many of you come from this background of brands and branding and communications and advertising, so just so we are clear on what a brand is, what it represents. Uh, anyone? Anyone would like to have a go? What is a brand? What does a brand mean? What is the difference from having a brand or not being branded? Anyone? Yeah. Differentiated. Yeah, it's differentiated. But this glass could be different from a thumbler or a shot glass. But it's not a brand. It's different, but it's not, a, not quite a brand. When you look at, you know, and, and if, like the very origin of brands comes from uh, the Norse language, ancient Vikings. They were branding cattle, marking cattle as a symbol of property, but also to give some sort of meaning. What is the meaning of that? They all have like different tribes, and they would brand according to the symbol that represented their tribes. But the answer, what it means, it's not the most important thing. The fact that you're, that you're questioning what it means is what really matters. Because when it comes to brand, it's not about the matter, it's about the intangible. So what matters is not matter. And if you, if you, if you think of a spectrum going from a brand to a commodity, brand has meaning, commodities have no meaning. Uh, in, in the stock market, we, you, know, you can trade uh, coffee beans, but coffee beans have no meaning whatsoever. When you have Starbucks, there's a brand, there is meaning behind, and everything that is built around that brand is to give some sort of meaning. Uh, I'm wearing a pair of shoes today. 
they're not really a pair of shoes. It's something else, right? Someone, please. Converse, yes, I'm wearing my Connie's. Uh, I'm wearing socks too, you just can't see, but I promise I am. Uh, Converse, right? A brand, there's some meaning. Urb urban cool, maybe, yeah? Am I urban cool? Not so sure, but I'm certainly trying to display that trait, that meaning by wearing Converse, yeah? So meaning, right? Brands are meaning. And when it comes to meaning, uh, I feel like brand building and communicating brands is something that has lost a lot of that meaning. It's almost redundant to call brands meaningful or meaningless because by being a brand, it implies there is meaning. But the story about brands and the meaning that is communicated th through stories is one that needs to be changed. And that's how I came up with this interesting concept. And I'll give you a bit of a rundown of that. Uh, Don Draper, right? Everyone knows the man. And that was, I spent the last 10 years in the brand communications, advertising, media industry. And that, that was the face that I used to put, and I still do, when people came up to me saying something like this, you know, why do you care so much? Why bother? You're not saving lives. You know, you're just running a campaign. You're just picking the theme for, for a brand platform. You're just picking the channels for this campaign. Why care so much? Why does it matter? What if it did matter? What if what you could do with your brand could actually change people's lives? Not just from the, the, the perspective of buying a product that will make you feel urban cool, but in a way that the communication of that product could actually change some, something that you're, that you're facing and, it, and it's a challenge, or something that you're experiencing and is not quite helpful for you at that very specific moment. That's how Urban Brand Utility came to be. But before getting into the specifics of that, let me share, share a little bit about my story with you. As Mar has said before, I am originally from Brazil, uh, from Sao Paulo. That's Sao Paulo. That's where I come from. It's a massive city uh, known as the concrete jungle and with, uh, with pretty much the same population as Australia, 22 million people living in Sao Paulo. Back in 2001 to 2002, there was a major energy crisis in Sao Paulo, and I remember as if it was yesterday, I was walking back from university, uh, I was still studying law uh, by then, and it was around 7, 8 p.m. Uh, that night, uh, and the grid was switched off. So during intermittent periods during that year, the grid got switched off because, you know, unprecedented growth, lack of planning, uh, there was not enough energy, not enough, uh, 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 you know, backing for that to support the growth that cities have been enabling for a long time. So I was walking back from uni, no glass, uh, uh, no watches, no jewelry, nothing on me, t-shirt, shorts, backpack, a typical student, right? Not really attracting any kind of attention. Still, two guys on a motorcycle just crossed my, my, my way, one of them came down from the bike with a gun, he hit me on the head uh, a few times, I fell down and I said, just take my backpack, take whatever you want, you know, just leave me alone, whatever, uh, and, and that was that, right? So I was in a really safe area and I used to, I used to live in a, in, a, in, a, in a neighborhood that was pretty much the Manhattan of Sao Paulo. Really nice, super safe, uh, very civilized, super decent and all that. Uh, but still, the context created the, the, the conditions for criminal activity, for violence. And, that's, you know, I, and I was a victim of that. And that was just one of uh, 13 times. So speaking of lucky numbers, I've been robbed 13 times, five of them uh, at uh, gunpoint, hit on the head and many other things. Um, 
And yes, so this is what happened during the, that year, and that, that was the outcome of that. But if I fast forward at least 15 years from that episode, I came across something like this. And this is Halonix, which is an Indian energy retailer, and they had to relaunch their brand in the Indian market. How to do that? Yeah, let's just, you know, scream our name. Let's just promote who we are so people know and they will buy from us because in the end of the day, energy is just a commodity. You don't really care where it comes from. You don't really care, you know, if, uh, uh, if it has, you know, some, a set of values or anything like that. You only care when you lack access to it, when it's dark. Then you care. So that's what Halonix understood and that was the insight that they used to roll out a pretty, a quite unprecedented campaign. Uh, they used uh, uh, some digital technology to map out the most dangerous streets in Delhi. And instead of just, you know, coming up with a traditional campaign, they deployed LED billboards on those very dangerous streets. By doing that, they reduced criminality and violence altogether, but they, they also removed the need from the local government of Delhi, the city of Delhi, to bolster the police force on, that, on those streets, in those very dingy alleyways as well as they need to, you know, build up more street lights and build up the grid, which costs a lot of money with a very simple, easy, smart solution, right? That at the same time communicates the brand, but also protects people and alleviates some of the pressures that urbanization have been creating in cities and for, for their residents. On top of that, they attracted one million new users uh, that subscribed to the service. Uh, they had a jump from 20 to 70% of uh, unprompted awareness. So, and it's something when, when people don't tell you what's the name of the brand, can you tell me the name of this brand? Yes, I can. Halonix, that's, that's what unprompted awareness is. And quite unprecedentedly and very different from all of the trends in advertising nowadays, where people say, you know, get out of my way. I don't want an ad. I don't want anyone interrupting my experience. Other seven cities in India said, please bring your campaign to us. We want Halonix here. We want to make our streets safer. So no one really cares about a commodity until the commodity starts caring about you. And that's when meaning is created. And that's what Halonix did. What is interesting here is that I, you know, over these last four years, I was able to map out uh, different case studies, over 100 case studies, uh, in, in the sense of addressing urbanization issues or issues in general, society's most pressing issues. And these are the, 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 the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals from the, from the, from the uh, UN. Uh, and you see them all here. And I've been able to correlate different case studies with different SDGs, and they are all there. Right? I showed you one that is about street safety, but I have a few case studies about education, the environment, uh, uh, you name it. Right? We have many problems. But sustainable cities and communities, or SDG 11, is the one that pretty much underpins everything else. We are now, the majority of the population on the planet are living in cities, and it's only going to grow. It's only going to accelerate. But why does it matter for someone who's coming from the marketing, advertising, branding uh, industry. Simply because of that, even though cities only occupy 2% of the planet's land mass, that's where most of the consumption and the communication driving that consumption is concentrated. Seven out of the eight headquarters of uh, uh, advertising agencies in the world, they are in New York City. If, you know, and there's one in London. 
Uh, and uh, all of that happens in cities. The big spend to communicate brands and the biggest, the biggest spend in terms of buying from those brands also happens in cities. So cities can then become a strategic focus for brands when communicating with people, with uh, consumers, but also cities as host, hosts of all of this amount of communications. The problem is that Halonix, like many other case studies that I've been, been able to, to map out, they're all stunts. If you saw that movie Death Proof, yeah. Uh, you may remember Stuntman Mike. Yeah, pretty cool role by Kurt Russell. So they were all stunts. And Halonix is also, was also a stunt, right? Even though it was super helpful and it did decrease criminality during that campaign period and violence uh, as well. Uh, once you unplug the campaign, after those three, four, six, eight weeks, everything comes back again, right? Women will get raped again. And Delhi is known, has the stigma of being the rape capital of India. Uh, people will be robbed. And I could be walking on a, on a, on a dark street again and you know, have, a, have someone hitting my head with a gun because of that. So what is the point? Just to go to the south of France, get an award, and celebrate life? Very nice, very hypocritical as well, and not really solving any problem, but just you know, glamorizing on someone else's dramas, which was uh, what led me to come up with this concept of urban brand utility and how to create a network of creative urban resilience. And you may know that Melbourne is one of the 100 cities that, that were chosen by, by the Rockefeller Fund, the Rockefeller Charity Fund, to be one of the 100 resilient cities. So building resilience is something really important, especially in these times of adaptation, uh, and which, which has to do a lot with climate change. Uh, and in this sense, what urban brand utility does, and I'm going to show you how it can, it can make it happen, is it goes from interrupting people's moments to enhancing those moments. Right now, advertising is based on interruption from its very beginning, right? It, it has always been about interrupting the things that you're interested in instead of becoming one of those things that you're interested in. Uh, from campaigns, you can move to programs. And the thing about campaigns is that it's all driven by short-termism. And short-termism do not contribute to brand building. And for, pro pro for profitability, you need to hit your sales targets, but also build the brand, which is super important. And instead of only targeting consumers, you're embracing the volume of citizens, which is much greater than that. And you're not only addressing the issues from the path to purchase journey re by reducing clicks or you know, answering questions, but you're actually intervening in the life journeys of citizens and giving much higher value for that. And how do we make money from that? Well, tra the traditional model is sales. You know, we have a campaign, generates more sales, great. With Urban Brand Utility, it's not just sales. Sales is a part of that, but then the creation of shared value. And I'll show you how that happens as well. And this is the model. So every Urban Brand Utility program has three things and three things only to achieve, which are pretty big, right? The first one is return on investment. It's advertising, it's all about making money. You know, let's not try to disguise ourselves with like, you know, the whole brand purpose thing, which is not something that I do not believe. I just think it's something that is half-baked. Uh, when you add a commercial revenue model next to it, then it becomes a lot more interesting, which is this case. So return on investment on your brand campaign and whatever metric you put that, right? If it's raising awareness, if it's increasing sales, if it's changing perceptions, all of the different metrics that you can put against a brand. The second element to that is the creation of, of uh, urban shared value. So with Halonix, they brought more light to dark 
dangerous streets and they created value uh, beyond the target consumers that they wanted to see that, that, that billboard. Citizens, people living in that area or just passing by. And the last one, enabling earnings or savings to the city, right? So with Halonix, they certainly saved a lot of money from the city of Delhi. The city of Delhi was never able to quantify that. How much money did you save to us? Because no one is, is thinking in the sense, in connecting the dots of public and private sector from a communication standpoint. And that's what it does. So what is, what is the business model here? Let's assume that with Halonix, they were actually able to save $10 million to the city of Delhi by doing that, right? Reducing the number of nurses and you know, uh, 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 going to emergency rooms, ambulance drivers, social workers, uh, cops on streets, and the grid itself, right? That, that, that is a lot of money to address an issue that people were being confronted with. So a surplus is created, $10 million. The mayor of Delhi would say, great, this campaign has just saved $10 million. I can use this $10 million for something else. Or I can create a circular model and make this idea something that is self-perpetuating, something that is self-funding, something that allows for continuity in a spiral that goes up. And the model would be the city retains 50% of, of, of that surplus, in this case, in this hypothetical case, uh, $5 million. The remaining 25% will go to the agency that designed the campaign and the media owner that allowed for that to happen. So when you're in an agency, you run the campaigns and you buy media from Ed Shell, APN, uh, ch uh, uh, Channel 7, The Age, and so many other different media owners, media channels. And the remaining 25% goes to the advertiser, the client, that believed in this different approach and tried something new. In that sense, what you end up doing, what you end up creating, is a, is, is a pretty trans uh, transformative thing where marketing budgets then become marketing investment funds because you're not, you're not treating your marketing, your advertising, your communications uh, as, a, as a cost center, but rather as a profit center simply because every time you run an urban brand utility program, everything becomes either 25% cheaper or you can, you can do 25% more because you have a rebate coming from that. And this is the model. And if I'm giving you, City of Melbourne, 50% uh, on savings or earnings from whatever effort, communications effort that I'm delivering, it does make sense for you to give me a little bit of incentive so I can roll that out once again. And in this approach, the value only gets unlocked on the second time you run it, not on the first one, yeah? Uh, what is interesting here is that what was uh, uh, projected by Magna Global is that by the end of this year, every single brand in the world together would be spending $535 billion US dollars. So that's the global media spend, right? And everyone is killing one another. Every single agency is fighting against each other for a, a, a very thin slice of that pie to the point that they don't really know how, you know, how else to make more money. So that's the pie. It's pretty tight, it's pretty confined. People don't know what else to do, but what if you could play in the space of welfare, wellness, uh, as Mahe said before? Well, it's a much bigger pie, which is the global welfare and security spend as uh, uh, calculated by the IMF, which is uh, uh, 40.5 trillion US dollars. 
and that would allow brand communications to play a role in this space as well as this one. Because with Halonix, for example, they did communicate the unique selling proposition, they did communicate the brand, but they also helped with, with, with welfare of uh, Delhi residents. Why can they not be part of that economy? The model is here. It's just a matter of getting the right people aligned and agreeing to make this happen, to test it. And in this uh, uh, new narrative of brand communications, the main shift that will change meaning from what we, have, we had up until today and to what I'm proposing that we should start having moving forward is that we move away from the big idea. The very DNA of every single brand is to have a big idea. The DNA of any communications campaign, advertising campaign, is a big idea. But what happens is that many times the big idea will come from a big ego. And you will eventually ignore you know, those around you, your, your customers, your consumers, your audiences, and other issues surrounding that. And as I said before, the big idea needs to be expressed. And it's only expressed once I interrupt you. How can I change that? With a big utility. And inste instead of interrupting your moment, I'm enhancing your moment. And instead of only having an, an expression, I have an action coming from that brand, making your communication effort a lot more tangible, a lot more valuable. So let me play the, the, the Mark Ritson for five minutes. If you don't know, Mark is the most prominent brand academic in Australia, perhaps in the world. Uh, so if now we are at the expression, expression side of the spectrum, we need to move to action. And here, uh, the vertical axis from interruption moving to enhancement, right? Right now, we're here, business as usual, which is this. This is a steal from Logorama. Logorama is a 2009 Oscar-winning uh, short, short film uh, where it depicts, uh, it actually uses over 3,000 brand assets and uh, like another 700 brand mascots and tells a story about uh, uh, these two chaotic and psychotic uh, Michelin doll cops after an, uh, an even more psychotic Ronald McDonald in this imagined LA. So watch it, on, only 16 minutes, pretty, pretty cool, super, super uh, educational as well. But the point here is start doing this by translating your big idea into a big utility. Let's take like a very obvious one, right? Uh, Apple, humanizing technology. That's the big idea behind everything that Apple, Apple does. From designing a new product, to designing a new campaign, to designing a new store. That's everything, Apple, everything about Apple comes from this very principle. How can I turn that one principle into a utility? And then how do I re replace interruption with enhancement? And for anyone who works in media, you have a block plan. You know how the campaign happens. You know every single touch point where you'll be communicating your brand. How can you turn that into a moment of disruption, interruption, annoyance into one that enhances and pleases people in a much more useful way? And then, uh, and yes, and if you don't know where to begin from, there's something called the principle for, Principles for Better Cities. So four big buckets, and that was something that was published uh, about two, two years ago uh, in the, the Global uh, Eco City Forum, where a bunch of authorities agreed that these are the four buckets that make cities great. So this is a good starting point for some inspiration. You know, how can I transform my big idea into a big utility? Look at this something will come out from here quite easily. And then you have branded utilities. So a brand that can be useful for a given amount of time, usually pretty short, 
Uh, but yeah, they, they do deliver that utility in the form of a stunt. How can you turn the stunt into a sustained practice of your business? I'll give you an interesting example. In New Zealand, there is a beer called uh, DB Export, and they use the, 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 waste, uh, uh, the wasted uh, yeast from, from the brewing process and turn that into fuel. Heineken that owns uh, DB Export, they are now looking into commercializing, uh, mass commercializing the uh, brutroleum, which is petroleum from the beer, from, from uh, uh, the leftover yeast, and which is a lot, a lot cleaner than uh, uh, current petrol that we use in, in vehicles, and uh, it's a much cheaper way to, uh, for, for people you know, to drive, to, to have some mobility in cities as well, and creates a new revenue stream for the brand, for the company, because you're turning waste into money. Uh, but then again, you know, how can I turn that in from short to long term? Yeah? And this is super important, and this is one of the most iconic charts in, in marketing advertising from Peter Field and Les Binet, and it shows that uh, you can have, you know, and the, the white line is sales, driving sales. The blue line here is brand building. If you only build your brand, you're going to die in three months. You're not, you're not going to last. Yeah, you can have a beautiful message, a beautiful picture, but if, if you're not selling what you, what you produce to anyone, you're gone, right? If you just sell and you don't care about your brand, you become a commodity, yeah? And people will, st will stop noticing you. You become irrelevant uh, and your audiences will stop buying from you. So it's an orchestration of both, you know? You need to sell your stuff, but you also need to create a desirable image, a desirable story. That's your intangible value. When you orchestrate both, that's when you become uh, most profitable. And uh, there's a lot of study confirming that. And last uh, is urban brand utility. Why don't I have any picture here? Because there's nothing like it yet. We're ahead, of the f we're ahead of the game. We're in the future here and hoping you know, that everything will come to place at this. I have a few interesting examples. I'm going to share one with you very, very soon. Uh, but there is nothing that I can say this was a true urban brand utility program. There are some bits and pieces which are quite useful. Are they going to continue? I don't know. Only time will tell. But essentially, your audience moves from customers to citizens, as I said before, and the revenue from sales to shared value, as I showed on that model from the slide before. Uh, okay, so how does it work? How can you bring it to life? Do you guys recognize this? Yeah, anyone from Clemenger here? Clemenger BBDO, no? No, okay, well, if there were, that's my opinion, anyway. So Clemenger BBDO produced this campaign of Meet Graham, and it pretty much mopped all of the shelves in Cannes. They won most awards. Uh, I think it was one of the most awarded campaigns of all time. Had, uh, uh, I mean, had exposure in every single country, was PR'd all over the world. Amazing, right? Six months after the launch of this campaign, which was about addressing uh, uh, safety on, on, on roads from uh, TAC, the, the death toll actually increased. So they, re they didn't really change behavior, and the campaign didn't really address the issue. Instead of that, they came up with something that is extremely creative, using Patricia Piccinini to create this, this uh, sculpture of, uh, of a humanoid. Uh, but from a marketing advertising point of view, it's a, it's a very convoluted way to communicate something that everyone already knows, 
right? If you don't drive safely, you crash. I don't need to become a monster to be safe when I'm driving. So it's kind of like a puzzling way to communicate something. But as I said before, you know, the big idea you know, is, is, is something that is quite scarce. And the crazier you go, the wackier you go, the more uh, repercussion it will generate, the more likelihood there will be for you to win an award in Cannes or Clio's or DNAD and all of the big award circuits out there. How else could safety on the roads have been addressed? Any, any suggestions? Anyone here? Mm -hmm. With advertising. I'll, show you, I'll share a few examples here. So here on my right, your left, you have Stigl. Stigl is a German beer. And in Salzburg, they had a really interesting campaign, campaign where they removed the label of the beer. So when you go to a liquor store, it's like that sea of greens and browns. Unless you know the beer you want or the beers that you're used to buy, you know where to go. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's just confusion, right? It's just visual pollution. By doing that, they created shelf disruption. Yeah? So that's a good thing for the brand, the ROI element, the ROI pillar of their urban brand utility. And then they said, let's put this plastic sleeve and uh, inside that insert a free public transport ticket. So if you're drinking, you won't have to drive. We're backing you. Take the train, take the tram, take the bus, get home safe. Very interesting, very cheap. Not, you know, high tech or anything. Just using the packaging to deliver more safety on roads. Uh, in, uh, in South Africa, Johannesburg and Cape Town, uh, a, a liquor distributor sim similar to, to Thirsty Camel, they, uh, they realized that, you know, pub goers were getting hit by cars. And at that side of the world, people are very dark. Uh, and at night, you know, it's very hard to see them. Yeah? Uh, so they came up with these uh, beer coasters that are ultra-reflective and uh, with some Velcro that you can stick on your shirt, like this picture here, and when any car is approaching you, you become 900% more visible, and that reduced accidents by 85%. Very cheap solution that communicated your brand and delivered as well some shared urban value. Uh, the bad news bag in India. New Year's Eve is the point in the year where uh, uh, road accidents happen the most. Why? Well, people drink too much, you know, they are too happy and they don't really pay attention, so they crash and die. Uh, what uh, uh, the, the Delhi police decided to do was to come up with this campaign to every single liquor shop, and instead of having, you know, the plastic bag or whatever bag, they had the bad news bag. And the bad news bag had all of these, you know, alcohol spills, bloody New Year. Bad news about people who got killed on New Year's Eve because they drank too much. So at the very point of sale, you already change someone's behavior. Why? Because you change the context. And advertise, and uh, there, there are many agencies, there are many people, there are people in the industry that say, this is advertising that changes behavior. Bullshit, right? Advertising does not change behavior. Advertising may prompt you to do something. There's no, there are no guarantees that will actually change your behavior. What changes the behavior is the context. There is something in uh, um, behavioral biology that is called homeostasis. Homeostasis is a, is a, is a property that we all have inside of us that uh, self-regulates. So when the environment changes, we adapt to that. That is pretty much what allowed us to survive as a species because we're more adaptable than anyone else. So when you change the context, people will adapt to that. 
If you tell them to change their behavior, practice safe sex. If you drink, don't drive. They won't do that. They won't even care about that. But when you change the context, you will force them to adapt and the behavior will change. That's what they did here. Another pretty cool one in Panama City, potholes, right? Potholes can be the cause of accidents and damaging your vehicles, many costs. So uh, one, one company decided to create these tweet potholes and place on quite a few potholes in Panama City. Every time a car ran over the, the, the device, a tweet was sent to the mayor, to the mayor's office, and as a result, potholes started to disappear. <laughs> very simple, very easy, super, super effective, right? And of course, you would save a lot of money to the city by fixing those issues. Otherwise, you need to send you know, engineers to survey streets and all that. Much easier, better approach here. Why? Because they follow these principles. And does it work? Well, as I said before, a few things are starting to emerge. A few things are starting to appear. And that's what Domino's has started doing. So Domino's is all about delivery, right? Domino's is, uh, is the pizza company or pizza brand that made delivery the most the easiest thing in the world, you can pretty much order, a pizza. I mean, we, we are all used to order pizza either from our phones or maybe online, and that's it, right? With Domino's, you can order a pizza using an emoji, you can do it from your shoes, some shoes they have uh, uh, Wi-Fi-abled communications with Domino's, from your smart car, from your smart TV, and so much more, right? So deliver everything that is on the way of pizza delivery is against, is against Domino's positioning as a brand, yeah? Potholes are against Domino's positioning. So what did they decide to do? Well, let's fix the potholes. So we came up, they came up, and it, that's not a campaign, that's a program called Paving for Pizza. They started to cover potholes, and the potholes got branded with like some spray uh, with, a, with, a, with a, the Domino's logo there. So yes, we did it, we paved, you know, now you can take your pizza. Why did they do that? Well, because if you're driving and you have your pizza next to you and you run over a, a pothole, your pizza falls, how disgraceful that will be, right? It's a mess. When you come home, your pizza is destroyed. Uh, but there's a much bigger play there, yeah? People can run over those potholes and hit others or get hit, get involved in an accident. And this is what uh, a mayor and a city manager have said about that. This unique innovative partnership allowed the town of Bartonville to accomplish more pothole repairs. You're stretching our budget. City manager of Milford, we appreciated the extra, paving for, uh, the extra paving for pizza funds to stretch our street repair budget as we addressed more potholes than usual. So a few things are starting to emerge here. This is just one example. I, I recently came back from New York and for a couple of years I've been talking about Link NYC. Are you guys familiar with that? No? Okay. Uh, just quickly then. So Link NYC, they, uh, is, uh, they are the old pay phones, like we have here what Telstra has done uh, uh, making the Telstra Air uh, hotspots uh, hot hot with obsolete uh, pay phones that nobody uses anymore. But in New York, they are free for everyone and everyone has access to Wi-Fi, right? Uh, so an underutilized asset became a much more valuable asset. And uh, as part of a 10-year contract between the city of New York and the company that created, transformed obsolete payphones into those totems, so imagine a tower with a big screen, uh, they are selling advertising on those screens and they are giving the city half a billion dollars over the period of 10 years. It's a lot of money, right? 
10 years, yeah, it's a lot, but you know, it's better than having something that was often vandalized or just useless, like payphones. Who uses them any right now? So if up until now, the dominant thinking in advertising, media, brand communication has been one from Marshall McLuhan that the medium is the message in this new narrative, in this new story that I would like to see happening more and more, the medium becomes a useful urban action. Why, you ask me? Well, it's pretty clear, right? Because brands that are good for people are also great for business. A brand that helps you will be a lot more memorable, will be a lot more preferable, will be a lot more effective, will be a lot cheaper to manage as well. And that's where I end the informal conversation. And uh, ready for questions, comments, anything. If you don't believe, if you think it's bullshit, you can say whatever you want. It's included in the package. <laughs> so thank you. Explore the Florence Guild podcast with the best talent from Australia and across the world. You can subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes. For more information on Florence Guild, visit florenceguild.com.